Hello everyone. Hello, hello. I'm Tony. And I'm Tally. And we are the, the Lazy, Lazy Book lovers. lovers. This is a podcast for book lovers who procrastinate about reading and have never-ending to-be-read piles. Today's episode is for non-fiction November. We're just, just squeezing just in, in, there, yeah. in November. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a list that Tally has put together. And I know nothing. So we're all going to learn together today. Oh, good times. Um, yeah, so for those of you that have been around, you'll know that one of my targets for this year was to read 10 to 12 non-fiction books. I've actually checked how well I'm doing. Let me have a look on a Storygraph, which is full of really cool stats. Yes, um, Non-fiction. I've done two so far this year, so... <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember you mentioning it. I've not, I've not actually, yeah, actually. I remember I a, year, a year before you had a spate of really depressing ones. Yeah, they we're, were making we're, that, the one that made you cry in the car when you were driving. Yeah, we're about to do another spate of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I do have some intentions of getting through some non-fiction before the end of the year. Oh, I, had to, I had the the really small girls like reading like one non-fiction or something. I've not I've not achieved not yet. No. But now you've got a script, mm. you could listen to an audio non-fiction. I find that's the best way to do non-fiction. Is, I've got loads bookmarked. But whenever I'm like choosing what to listen to, I'm like, same. Going to do me. I've got stuff bookmarked <laughs> that have been bookmarked since I first signed stuff up. Stuff I'm genuinely interested in learning about as well, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> that was me in a past life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, go. So, I've got 12 non-fiction books. Just to be clear, I'm not saying I'm going to listen to all of these this year yeah. or read all of these this year. That would be ridiculous. But these are just some that have piquet my interest. <laughs> Picked. I love pronouncing words like stupid like that. Yeah. And I always do it with my son and he finds it hilarious. And then my other half's always like, no, because he's going to think that's how you pronounce it. Because I'm always like muscles <laughs> stuff. Right, so I, my uncle on my dad's side says skizzers. Skizzers. Yeah. And I liked that so much when I was a kid. When I was a kid. To this day, I still say skizzers. Yeah, and then people I, look I at say me, skizzers. and I'm, I'm like, oh, it's just more fun. Yeah, I? it's just like, and I, and I like to say wifi instead of Wi-Fi, and that annoys people because Northerners say waft instead of waft. Yeah, and I just think waft is a better. I'm getting a cold waft. Much, <laughs> it's just nicer. It's just more fun. Northern English, that is for non-Brits. Mm. Um, a waft. I'm getting a waft. Yeah. I'm getting a waft of bacon from the kitchen. I'm like, oh! That is just brilliant. It's so much better than waft. Waft. That's like, oh, I'm getting a waft of fun. That's how I feel waft. That's waft energy. <laughs> waft energy. Get your waft energy away. Yeah. Um, okay, so at time of recording this, presumably, not anymore when you listen to this, but Verso Books, who who publish a lot of non-fiction, had six non-fiction books that they would give, e-books that they were given away for free. And they were all about the Gaza, Israel, Palestine conflict. I am 
trying to learn a lot about it. I'm very passionate about this. I have been told not to be too over the top about it in this episode, though. <laughs> I was just like, we've got to remember that we're a book podcast and not a political podcast, because sometimes we get very political. more political than reading. Mm. So, the first one on my list that I yeah. wish to read is, um, I guess it would be, can non-fiction be novellas? I don't know. You I know. don't think they can. It's but just this a very is like short nonfiction. Novella length. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, 148 pages. Oh, which, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, it's called The Punishment of Gaza, and this is by Gideon Levy. I have not looked up any of these authors and how to pronounce their names, so apologies if I get anything wrong. So this is, uh, this follows between um, 2005 to 2009. And the uh, Israel policy that adapted during that time frame, which obviously affects a lot of what's still happening to this day. Also, the case of sanctions against Israel, well, it's by multiple authors. Mm -hmm. It's edited by, I can't see the name on the cover, sorry. Um, And this is uh, about the uh, legislation that was passed in 2011 in Israel outlawing Mm. public support of boycotting activities against the state, corporations, settlements, etc. Basically how they put a stop to free speech within Israel borders. Um, So I've got six of these books. I'll talk about three and then we'll do some different ones Mm -hmm. and then we'll come back to them. I'm not going too much detail into them because... Uh, firstly I don't really know what they're about that's why I want to read them and secondly I just don't want um, our editor to cry (laughs) (laughs) Um, and we're trying to give you some information but keep it light while we're talking about it (laughs) yeah if you want um, if you want my opinions on these follow me on Instagram Mm. or TikTok where I will not censor myself (laughs) Um, and I say we're not offering opinions right now not because we don't have one because it's not important because I have lots of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we've got these books. <laughs> um, but yeah, I need to so learn, we can learn more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the next one is Blaming the Victims. Um, so this is about how, uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of it is phrased to blame, put the blame on the Palestinians despite them being the victims. They are not the oppressors, so how can they take the blame for what's happening within Mm -hmm. their country Mm -hmm. the palestinian country Uh, (laughs) and yeah so this one is about um how uh propaganda is still very much rife it's all distorted obviously to a viewpoint that's one viewpoint Mm -hmm. as propaganda is does that talk about how is it western media or is it just Um, media in palestine it's like what's coming out of Okay. The Israelis. Um, but the uh, Western media is disgusting how they're phrasing it. Oh, it's very biased. It's making me so angry. And uh, we abstained from voting for it being a humanitarian crisis. Any country that voted against it, i.e. the USA, and abstained, I... I'm disgusted. Like, there's a huge process in London this weekend. Yeah, as there should be. Like, because they they don't. Because all of the phrasing is um, the UK believes this. No, no. 
the yeah. UK does not believe that. You'll find that the majority of the people probably do not believe that, actually. Mm. It's just that you believe it because you have money involved in it. So this is why I want to learn more about it. Yeah. Um, because I was wondering, obviously, why... Um, I mean, I know there's a racial element to it. I was wondering why a lot of the Western countries are so passionately um, taking one side that seems to be, I think, quite obviously the wrong side. I know it's nuanced, but genocide is not nuanced. Mm. And it's a lot of it is to do with like trying to have a um, a hold in the Middle East that is of Western white people and... Okay. So that's why I want to learn more about it because I yep. don't know a great deal. I remember, like, I learned a lot about this when I was at uni. I, I was really, uh, really interested. Interested? I guess interested. I was really curious. Curious is the better word about this conflict. So I learned a lot then, but a lot of time has passed since then. So I need to learn more and update myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, I've mentioned this book I think once just in passing okay. I want to and I've got the audio book I want to listen to the Paris Hilton memoir I bet that's interesting yeah because I've seen a few videos of hers on like well I don't, don't think she put them on TikTok but interviews with her mm. of her being like well this like I'm very aware I was putting out a po- persona yeah she, I, and like her, how she actually speaks is just completely different to the been i hollywood I've, persona i've always been a paris hilton fan i used to watch her in the simple life and all of that mm. i love her and um I, I was of the opinion that she was just very ke- very cleverly using uh how our media at the time thought of women to progress her career and uh, yeah and she very much did have a persona um but yeah uh, and this goes into more of her childhood that i didn't know about the the champion all the stuff about the the, um the camps for kids yeah where the kids get kidnapped see i didn't know she was sent these wildlife i can't remember what they're called but like um because breaking code silence the hashtag and i've seen a few of those videos and these this is mad this is the thing that's legal in America. You when pay I, someone to kidnap your kid. When I find out about this stuff, I'm always like, why do parents hate their children in America? Yeah. Like, I know it's a generalisation, but it is quite crazy. Like that um, vlogging, family vlogging channel, which again, family vloggers of content creators that create content around their children... Um, and we're starting to realise that none of them gross. are completely ethical, no matter how hard no. they try. And... Um, and like there's a family vlogger that I think she's called like Passengers of Eight or Eight Passengers or something. Um, yeah, and it is it's all coming out. She's been arrested now, she's in jail for abusing her children and it's like she sent one of her kids to one of those wildlife camps. And yeah. I'm just like, Why do you hate your kids? Why? I just Oh just when you find out what happens there yeah, as well. And, and they're I'm aware like, of it. Yeah. And a lot of it's under the guise of like religion, which which just the ones where they're backpacking through the wilderness without adequate survival stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, that's kids ridiculous. Kids die on some yeah. of those things as well. It's crazy. So, yeah, I never knew that she had been sent to one of those. No, because I saw, for some reason, yeah, my um, For You page got a whole bunch of 
I must have watched one, mm-hmm. um, Breaking Code Silence videos. Yeah. And I just sort of watched a few of them because I was like, oh, this is something I didn't know anything about. No. And I was like, and it was championed by Paris Hilton, basically. Good for her. I love her. I think she's amazing. Um, and it's not on my list, but the Britney Spears memoir came out this week, and I want to listen I to that. I bet there's another well. one that's good. I'm always ready for more trash talking Justin Tim Blake. <laughs> I need more trash talking of him in my life because he's just gross. <laughs> yeah. And I hate that NSYNC are like, thinking they're amazing because they're back together it's like but you still got Justin Timberlake so <laughs> I, she's another one that the media has just done dirty when you think about what what the culture was mm. when we were growing up around women it's, it's just disgusting someone brought back up the performance she did where everyone was like oh she's so fat now and i remember back then being like oh my god she is so fat. yeah like she's look at her and now i look at it and i'm like oh my god her we were so flat. conditioned yeah we her stomach is so... flat in those pictures yeah and i was like ah oh, that that like someone found all these like things from back then where they're saying like she's this she's that and i'm like oh my god and like magazines that were aimed at teenage girls talk about how all these people were fat and it's like why did why was that acceptable or they still go on those magazines still exist yeah you know it's like a snapped paparazzi picture and like but now they try and go for a different angle sometimes. Like, oh, so-and-so's filling out. Good for her. Yeah. There's still the media commenting on her weight. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, gross. Or, like, the baby rumours. Yeah. Like, as Jennifer Aniston says, she gets constant pregnancy rumours about her until she got Gosh. older. And she couldn't have kids. And that's the reason she didn't have any. And now they're like... And they're constantly, every time she had a little bit of extra now. weight on, they're like... Is she pregnant? Yeah. It doesn't... Oh, just stop me. Because she gets the whole sad, child-free thing on her. Yeah. On the media now. Because everyone's like, oh, she she was so desperate to be a mum. But was she? Did she at any point I don't, have say not, she was desperate to be a mum? Like, I know there was an interview she talked about it, but I haven't watched it myself to like, know what it said. Yeah. I just know she said she couldn't have kids or tried to and it didn't happen. or Ugh. Doesn't happen for everyone. Not everyone wants kids. Like... No, everyone could afford them. And... Um, like I have kids, and I always worry about what world they're growing up in, and mm. it makes me so like scared for them. I'm like, you're literally gonna be if this carries on, you're gonna be working till you die, like me, and that's not fair. Like, yeah, yeah, no. Now I've got my uh uh paperwork through from my re- the retirement like thing. Oh yeah, my um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pension. Pension. I could do for exactly one year. With the money I've got now? Yeah, I've had my um, pension, like my private pension pots. I've been building them for maybe like 10 or so years. Um, And I think I've got about £400, so I should be really good for four days. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like, I've got all these pots because I've had a lot of different jobs. So I've got like, me and mum counted up. There's like, there's at least six parts to eight parts that I need to consolidate. I was going to say, can you consolidate them? Yeah, yeah I don't even know where to start. So if anyone has a tip... Yeah. <laughs> if anyone <laughs> just do this... Going back to like, so the law about the, your 
workplace having to ma- match your pension amount. Mm. This is a really boring adult topic. Um, that law came into effect just around the time I started working. Yeah. So right back to my first job at the bakery. That one, yeah. I had a pension. And I worked for the NHS for a bit, so I got a little bit yeah. of pension. That's a good one. Don't know where that is. <laughs> Somewhere. The only one I've got is my last job because I got paperwork. This is the first one I've ever had paperwork mm. from the people they keep the pension with. Yeah, yeah. All of my... I've got two of them, two mm. pensions, like two different set of ones, and they um, they do the... What's the word I'm looking for? They invest the money. Yeah, that's what... Mm. I've got an Aviva one. I've got them on high, high risk because I'm like, well, I've got fuck all to lose anyway, so... <laughs> I remember saying once because that is voluntary contribution and I was saying someone was like oh I want to reduce my percentage and like well you've got to save your future and I was like what future are we I don't have it now Deborah. yeah I don't have it now so why am I I saving I'll never retire what are you talking about I might get to work part time I will die at my desk (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) we both haven't had much sleep today so I think the vibe is coming across Mm. it's Um, been like after not working for two months, and obviously not having children you want to take care of for those two months, yeah. I've been like, oh, this is what life could be like. Yeah. I can eat when I want to. I can take as long as I want to for my meals. Not yeah. half an hour. I can just, like, there's always just more time to do something. I never had to worry. Yeah. It's just been this week where I've gone, I've started a new job. And I'm like, oh, I really only have two days to do everything again. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> And it's the same two days that everyone else has to do everything. I used to really like, um, I like, I didn't mind shift work when it meant I had mm. a day off during the week because I could do, have a doctor's appointment if I wanted, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. now I couldn't possibly have a doctor's appointment <laughs> even if I needed one. Um, yeah, so both my children, we set them up savings accounts when they were mm. born and they're both high risk um, investments. And, yeah. well, they're both rolling in it in comparison to me so there we go yeah my parents set me up one and forgot about it and then when I was like 13 we were like something just fell over I think yeah. it might have been a book <laughs> oh that was that was done on purpose or something yeah yeah when I was like 13 or something we were like well we've got this savings account that's got 100 quid in do you want it and I was like sure yeah why not <laughs> I spent it on clothes <laughs> And my partner and my father-in-law set them up and um, so they set up the first one for my son and I was obviously uh, post-C-section and very, very mm. sleep deprived. So I didn't have much to do with it and then um, when we set it up for my daughter last year, I was yeah. like, oh, um, I was more involved and um, I, and so they set up the exact same one yeah. for my daughter and that's when I found out they get them when they're 18 and I was like oh no I would have done 21 why are you giving them that money when they're oh, 18 oh it's yeah. going to be used for uni it's going to be used for getting drunk at uni probably <laughs> if they take after me <laughs> oh my god this is so total tangent but you don't have many more books on the list do you uh, that's just tangent that's um, <laughs> so this have you seen this whole report that's come out about how uh, student loans don't cover rent in most cities. Yeah, and like this been this whole revolutionary report. I'm like, that but was that did you was never ask a student ever. <laughs> that was my reality ten yeah, years. Like, exactly. No, not eight years ago. I graduated yeah. so 2012. Exactly. I started uni. That's ten years ago. <laughs> but I graduated like seven eight years ago. Anyway, yeah. I was like, that was my loan didn't cover my rent back then. Yeah. 
And that was before they upped everything. Yeah, so and in Birmingham about? as well, which didn't used to be an expensive city, it's becoming more so now. Well, I worked full-time whilst I was at uni, so... Well, my parents, so they like... Because my parents technically, collectively, got pushed into the top bracket. Oh, yeah, yeah. But not enough to, like, actually help us out. Mm. And it also doesn't take into account if you've got another sibling at uni. And my brother was selfishly doing a master's at that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, although he was in Wales, so a bit cheaper. But, like, so my parents had to help me out financially, and I didn't realise my mum took on debt to do that. She never told me. So we were just exchanging debt all over the place. <laughs> but it's like this big report where they're so surprised. And I was like, tell that to me buying smart price panty liners. <laughs> oh my god. 17 pence for pads. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like a big fan of the 97p store for mm. my dinner. <laughs> Go in there and get some really cheap noodles for dinner. <laughs> I used to go to Tesco's, but at like three AM, and go yeah. through the sad sections. Yeah, all the discounted bits. And that has that degree has served me so well. At least I'm doing semi related to my degree. Yeah, tangentially. One day. <laughs> Books. Right. I want to. Oh. I can't believe that started with Britney Spears. That whole tangent. Making us think. I was going to say there's someone that's not struggling for money, but a lot of her money was siphoned off by her dad. So, mm. anywho, Taylor Swift is now a billionaire. Now that's a that's a billionaire I can get behind because she does trickle down economics. Mm. She pays it down. We like was well, she on Jimmy Kimmel and he was like, oh, so dancers don't get um, healthcare, and she was like, mine do. Yeah. Every person involved in her tour had healthcare. She paid all of her... I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, in case you didn't know. Okay. Um, she paid all of her truck drivers a $200,000 bonus mm. each. Have you seen because that, her tour made so much money. Do you see how like um, her tour was boosting economies? Yeah. So they were like, who could predict that singer would save our economy? <laughs> it's the year of women, like Taylor Swift... Mm. Uh, Barbie and I think Beyonce had something. I, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not really a fan of Beyonce, but I think she may have had an album or a tour or something this year. Anyway, apparently those three basically three women have saved the economy, the economy this year. This year. Yeah, <laughs> women. Like every city she was going through was getting a huge economic boost. Yeah. Queens. Um, the next book. Ooh. Uh, I want to listen to as an audio because I've got it from the library currently so I will actually be listening to this soon is A Black Boy Eaten by Dillaby Onanami sorry as I said I didn't look up anyone's names and we struggle well you struggle, struggle specifically with, with any name any name yeah western British <laughs> whatever it is um, so this follows, it's a memoir, and it follows um, the second black boy to study Eton, and he joined it in 1965, uh, and he wrote this when he was 21, and it's about the racism he endured at the institution, etc. Um, and yeah, I want to read it and learn about That's it. really interesting. It was... Um, so there's a series called Black Britain Writing Backs, 
and that's a series and it's all about um it's all black authors writing about their experience mm. and this is one of them i would like to like listen to the rest probably i think this is like number 14 in the series oh well, okay yeah um and they're all different um black uh british black experiences so that's interesting mm, yeah um and this was selected for a booker prize as well i think because i probably know more about american black history than i do british i'm not yeah. gonna lie there was a really good book i read it must have been last year um called black and british i think that's just what it was called black and british mm. and they had um a like a children's version as well yeah which uh kind of um like made it a bit more easily to easier easier to digest yeah i think that's what it's called i am just gonna double check and it I was feel like, like i remember you mentioning it yeah and it was days. about the history of black british people mm. how they got here um what they went through mm. uh, slavery etc etc about colonization black and british yeah um by david ula saga and um yeah that was really eye-opening and mm. that was when i realized i know nothing about the experience in england or no. in britain um yeah so that that's one that i'm very intrigued yeah. by um Especially in a uh, educational institution. I should eat it, and I can't imagine eating's even that friendly nowadays. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Let alone in the sixties. Yeah. Um. Uh. Another one I want to read is called. When it loads up, it's called House of Psychotic Women. Okay. Um. Let me just load it up properly. House of Psychotic Women. So it's an autobiographical topo, to, topo, topographical. Thank you. And it's about the female neur- neuroses in horror and exploitation films mm-hmm. by Kayla Janice. Sorry if I pronounce that wrong. Um, so this is basically, um, she is going through how women have been used across horror films and exploitation mm. films um, in history. And it really delves into like a lot of the well-known films, um, yeah. And that's you know, it's two things I love: women and horror. <laughs> that's it. That's all I need. It's kind of like it looks like the yellow wallpaper. You read that? Oh, sorry. It's it's um, film. Film. Okay. Yeah, horror films. Sorry, I should have made that clear. Horror and exploitation films. Okay. So yeah, really looking forward to that mm. because. Obviously, um, traditionally and probably still now quite often, women are used to push the narrative forward through abuse, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the seventies, there was a big boom in like exploitative media, which really like just abused women mm. a lot <laughs> for film. So yeah, and this is just a big, big deep dive into that. Should be a fun read. Yeah, I think that'll be, be like, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one I've got physically, so I think it'll be one that I'll just like do a chapter and then mm. read something else or whatever. I can't mm. imagine I'll sit there and read like nearly four hundred pages of it because I will just it's a bit heavy. Spiral a little, probably a bit, bit heavy. Yeah. yeah. 
And who knows, I might like want to watch some of the films that they discuss or whatever. <laughs> um, so I have three more um, books about the Palestine conflict. So mm-hmm. I have one called um, Palestine Speaks, and this is by a um, mixture of authors. Uh, and this is it. It's a group of civilians, civil, uh, Palestinian civilians, who uh, describe their life mm. under this conflict. And it has uh, eyewitness accounts of, at the time it was written, the most recent attacks that had happened. So it's from 2014. Yeah, and it follows... So, for instance, it follows a a civilian who is a professional marathon runner and his pursuit of trying to leave the country to pursue his dream, etc. But... Palestinians have like really uh, restrictive travel opportunities and stuff. So they yeah. have quite odd passports, don't they? Yeah. I don't know enough about that to speak. Of no, I don't know a lot about. But I know it, they have a very complicated passport. Yeah, I think because some people say they don't even exist. Yeah. So yeah. I think it depends on if the country they're going to acknowledges mm. them or not. Which is how, we're 2023 how is this a thing i just cannot understand if you're gonna have borders then you need to have bought i just don't understand it's like that film um with tom hanks in it was it when he was it called the terminal when it's the guy who like lived in an airport for like years. yeah yeah because yeah, that was based on something real that's a real it? guy yeah yeah and like yeah so he gets on a flight and when he lands his country no longer exists how and how is stuff like that happening now i just i don't know we've got like you know footage of like attacks that happened in the 90s that u.s government still denies existed yeah and they've got footage of like camcorder footage yeah taken by victims and perpetrators yeah and it's like couldn't be us ai before ai was a real thing yeah oh and that that some of the images that are being shared now speaking of propaganda just have a look see if it looks like an ai image because uh, some of those images are see, quite obviously ai when the ukrainian conflict kicked off there were loads of people on tiktok doing verification of videos that were going viral yeah and fact checking them yeah and that's not happening this time around yeah there's i've, been I've not been them. seeing them yeah but um TikTok, if you use certain oh, hashtags, they're being suppressed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For okay. some reason, a lot of the world really wants uh, one part of this conflict to be suppressed. So, mm. yeah. um, but I do find it very interesting that the difference in how the Ukrainian and Russian conflict was dealt yeah. with to now i think that's still going on we just don't really hear about it much now no it's still going on yeah. yeah um but i distinctly remember there was like we're gonna take in refugees everyone sent them coats of outrage and, da, da, yeah. da, and well like not seeing anything like that now, even just because i've just been on holiday 
And there's still things up saying, if you're a Ukrainian refugee, come this way. Yeah. And there was another one saying, if you are flying in with such and such passport from people in this conflict, um, report here. Even that is just like a different language. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're not saying refugee. No. If you have arrived from these zones, report here. Yeah. Rather than and like, are you language Ukrainian? is important. So those those two things are side by side. One is a nice printed roller banner, mm-hmm. one is a poster on the wall. Yeah. That was Stansted. And there's like I've seen I've I've been following a lot of it and I've seen like people that are on the ground and are interviewing like um Israelis. Um or rather they were interviewing people who had moved to Israel from mm. America and they were, they were like you know what do you think about like the, you've just moved here what do you think about the Palestinian plight or whatever and this guy was like I'm going to stop you there because Palestine isn't a real thing it's made up and Palestinians aren't real and it's like I'm sorry a person isn't real like language is important mm. what are you talking about you can't just say pe- these people aren't real and they disappear that's not yeah how it works like, and then have it put on national media as well yeah i just don't i can't comprehend and then people are like willfully if you if you are saying like you're anti-genocide then you must be like anti-semitic and it's like why are you equating two things that are mm. why are you doing that that's like you're just muddying it's all being muddied on purpose we're though, using yeah. deliberately provocative language yeah there to get a response yeah exactly um the palestine laboratory how israel exports the technology of occupation around the world this is by anthony lowenstern lowenstein lowenstein um and this is about how they well for instance uh i don't know if that's mentioned in here but um a lot of uh, the weaponry that's used by Israel was actually made in the UK. They have mm-hmm. eight factories here that make their weapons that are currently being used. So this is all about how they um, they build their surveillance and their weaponry and everything in other countries, um, and then it's exported back. So, like, to what extent mm-hmm. are other countries also complicit? And yeah, okay, yeah. interesting which is very interesting. And then the last one is 10 myths about Israel. And um, I think when it loads up, I think this might be a shorter one again. I think we're having some weefy issues today. Mm. Yeah, this is another shorter one. And um, so this just, you know, it's just, it's like a deep dive into like the propaganda and what Mm. you believe is true and like how... It's probably not entirely true. Maybe based in some truth, but yeah. I don't know until I read it. So they are. That's the last of the ones I got from Verso Books uh, as free ebooks. Um, on a not related but a slightly different spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really desperately, and I don't know why I haven't read it yet, want to read The Will to Change by Bell Hooks. Um, okay. 
and Bell Hooks is a author that I've read a few from. I keep meaning to read more by her and this is top of, the top of my list and I already know it's one I want to pass to my partner to read. Um, so the like subtitle of it is Men, Masculinity and Love. So this uh, very much dives into uh, how in a patriarchal culture men are harmed mm. by their um, what what they believe masculinity is um, and how they uh, often told they need to suppress their emotions mm. uh, how uh, their um, how regardless of their like age marital status sexual orientation etc they all have to express themselves a certain way to mm -hmm. be a man and how it's very dangerous for men basically um so i want to read this and then i want to give it to my partner because he is obviously a man um <laughs> so i think he'll take something out of it but i also want him to uh perhaps question in himself some of the things he might do that my son would then pick up mm. or my daughter would then look at and think is the norm um you know and my my partner's pretty i would say he's pretty he's he's, he's lefty like you. yeah he's not like he doesn't have like a oh you have to be this way to be masculine or this way to be mm. feminine da, 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 da. but i think there's always room for people to question what what they have internalized also just like not realizing they're expressing themselves mm -hmm. in a traditionally masculine way yeah so he's like what what i've been discussing with him a lot recently is his uh initial emotion for everything is anger which I know is an issue for a lot of men. Yeah. And I don't know if that's also um, to do with his ADHD because my son's mm. initial response to everything is anger. But I'm like, well, you know, we've got to think about as well how my son and my daughter are perceiving it. Um, yeah, it's yeah, really so interesting. It's just... When I learned, like, that anger is a secondary emotion, there's always, there's an, there's an emotion that has caused anger. Anger is not the emotion. Yeah. Because that was really insightful, because I've got a really quick temper. You wouldn't know it anymore. People who meet me now don't know. I used to be such an angry person. I, I'm seething. I mean, internally seething with rage, like 90% yeah. of the time. Um, but, like, you have to learn, like, it's a secondary emotion. Like, actually, I'm angry right now because I'm overstimulated, or I'm tired, or I'm hungry. Yeah. And then I'd be snapping at someone, and I have to sit there and, like, it's not their fault you're hungry and tired. Mm -hmm. It's not their fault. So they don't deserve to have bear the consequences. So I have to do a lot of that with myself a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I slip up even now. Mm. Like, even on the way here today for recording, I shouted at my son and then in the car I was apologising to him. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Mummy was feeling stressed because everything was running behind and mm. I didn't want to be late for something and I'm hungry and, you know... It, I wasn't angry at you, and I'm sorry I shouted at you. Yeah. Because one thing will happen in my house: we will apologise to our children mm. when we mm. when we should be apologising. Yeah. I'm never ever gonna be too high and mighty to apologise to my children mm. when I need to, or admit that I just was feeling overwhelmed or emotional or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm trying to uh, teach my children what emotions are and to emotionally <laughs> regulate by modelling it. So, yeah. 
Yes. You know, sometimes I'm like, I just need five minutes by myself. Mummy just needs to not be touched for five minutes. Or I need to go and have a bath and I need you to leave me alone for 15 minutes just so mummy can have quiet time. Even my parents, I started doing that. I used to just start, I started red flagging my emotion. I just go, I feel this right now. Yeah. And what I need from you is this. Yeah. I appreciate you've just got home from work as well. So like, how can we make this happen? Yeah. I started doing a lot of that. Which is like sort of retroactively, so sort of gentle parenting your parents. Yeah, <laughs> yes. they don't listen to this. Apparently, for our generation, that's a big thing that we we do though. Because both of my parents are very quick to anger, but it fizzles out really quickly, and it's a secondary emotion. There's usually something else that's caused yeah. it. And like I found that if I remain completely calm and rational throughout it. I have sides so that you get apologies and things like that happening. <laughs> You're like um, when you see a T Rex, mm. you just don't move. Don't just freeze. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I think... Or I do, I acknowledge the emotion that I appreciate you're feeling frustrated right now, but here's how what you're doing is making me feel. Yeah. <laughs> My son's got so good at this, though. Like, we had his parent-teacher meeting the other week. Oh, I was, I was, I was in tears. The teacher mm. was in tears. It was all positive tears. But, you know, he's got to a point where he'll be like, I'm angry, I need to be alone, leave me alone. And I'm like, yeah, 100%, I will leave yeah. you alone. As long as you're safe, yep. what you're doing is safe. Like, you're I'm not hurting you, others. You can't be angry around my daughter, around mm. your sister. You can go to your room and you can be angry. That is fine. Because that's a safe space for you yeah. to be angry. Like, yeah. And I'm proud of him. Because he shows more emotional um understanding than some adults yeah right now so <laughs> yeah it's hard work but it should be worth it when he's older I honestly i think the millennials are going to be the generation that breaks the generational curses <sighs> so hoping. we're taking a lot on because a lot, a lot of us are trying are either working on ourselves or working on it for our kids yeah i yeah. don't know anyone who isn't trying to work on themselves and like break down some of the things they grew up with yeah, and then you've got, in. like, above us, like, boomers <laughs> that just don't give a fuck about <laughs> what, the, what they're putting mm. out in the world. Some. Some of them. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm generalising. I mean, not all mm. millennials are working on themselves. Some of them are very happy to just be toxic. You know, yeah. generalisations. Um, I have a book. Okay. Called... When it loads. Do we need to put you on my hotspot? Because our Wi-Fi is being awful. I've got two more books. So okay. I've got a book. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a book called A Fenland's Garden, Creating a Haven for People, Plants and Wildlife oh. by Francis Pryor. And I think that this is going to be a nice read. <laughs> um, so this is about um, the complex and fragile English landscape, the fens of southern Lincolnshire. And he, the author is an um, archaeologist, and it's about um, the English field systems, um, how to plan and build your garden so that it... Uh, it's good for the English nature. Let's have a garden where yeah. I grow vegetables one day. I'm desperate for that. I'm just like the space for a window box. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, yeah, and it's just learning about English uh, agriculture, really, I guess. Okay, and that's cool. I think that that'd be a nice, cosy read this winter. Mm. I can get loads of ideas and then not do them, <laughs> but I can still get loads of ideas. I like all these people you'll see that are getting rid of, like, their gardens are just lawns and planting stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, or even if they're putting gravel over it to make like a cute, like cozy little like chill area or something. I don't know. I'm like, I like this. So just like the yeah. lawns are boring. We have Plant stuff. a um, like a wild meadow mm. in the corner of our garden. I don't know if you. Yeah. Was, was it thriving when you were there, or had it already died? Because it's only no, it, was it still, only thrives for a few months. <laughs> it was hot when I was. Yeah, it was. Wasn't yours. It, yeah. Um, and yeah and we go for kind of like a natural vibe because i want to encourage all of the insects yeah and uh, we have had a few comments about the weeds uh not so much the weeds but like why we haven't cut back our plants and i'm like because it's our garden (laughs) (laughs) why are you asking (laughs) we're in a village you know sometimes people like to stick their nose in a bit yeah the um the people who lived in our house before we moved in. Yeah. Um, she parked in our street once to go to like a village village festival or something. Yeah, so I was in the driveway getting my son in the car mm. and um and I saw this lady just staring at us and I was like, the fuck is going on? She's like, Hi <laughs> and She was like, Oh hi, sorry, I used to live here. I was just like looking and i was like oh okay hi like they're mm. having a little chat because her parents still live in a village and mm. obviously village life and she was like yeah i was just looking because you know we used to cut back all these plants and i was like yeah i was like yeah we like we like the bees and stuff and she was like oh <laughs> and i was thinking no if you saw the back garden <laughs> you got really nice um, plants in your front garden hmm. Yeah, I love that. That was the nice lavender. to drive home to. There's so many bees on that lavender, mm. and I love it. Yeah, we have a like, huge lavender out there. Mm. Um, and we get we get a lot of weeds because we back onto a field, mm. so we get a lot of weeds. But a lot of those weeds, I let them are do quite their good thing. for the insect life. To be honest, well, we have a cycle of insects in the garden. Mm. Like we get. I don't even think like daisies and things. I don't think they're that ugly. Like they're pretty. No, my partner gets really angry with the dandelions. Yeah, like, dandelions. I like but them. When we get rabbits, they like to eat dandelions. <laughs> I think dandelions look pretty. I don't yeah, know why people hate them so much. Yeah, my son loves to blow the little. Mm. Ooh, um, I did say to him this year. I was like. Okay, from now on, because it makes them really angry, mm. and he goes out and tears them all up in fury. <laughs> I was like, "Can you just collect them all? Like, don't don't put any weed killer on them." Mm. He doesn't anyway, but I was like, "Don't put any weed killer in the garden. Um, collect all dandelions, and I'm going to try and make like dandelion tea or dandelion yeah. jam or something, rather than you just wasting them." Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I like I like having bugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we have a cycle. So we get um ants and then oh wait, which order does it go? There's a particular order. Yeah. So we get I think the ants are first, then we get solitary bees, um, they and then we get grasshoppers mm. and we get them like a cycle. So we get the ants first with their little ant ha- ant houses. Ant hills. Um 
and then they kind of filter off and then they get taken over by the solitary bees because they make little homes in the ground so they basically move into the ant i didn't know that yeah and then um and then when they kind of move on then we get loads of grasshoppers mm. so it's, it's really nice it's like a little ecosystem i love yeah, like it yeah like our garden in the in the summer because we've got all the bird feeders up and mm. everything my friend was like this is like a disney film yeah we were sat the out there and yeah. we've got like all the insects around it's nice. we've got dragonflies as well we've got all the birds and the bees and everything's like all buzzing and like squirrels are there and she's like this is like a disney film yeah it's nice yeah and we we've got loads of the little bug hotels my mm. son and we go and have a look at who's trekked into the motel um yeah mum yeah. started trying to plant insect friendly plants that's what our meadow ago, is yeah. it's just insect friendly stuff yeah mm. she, uh, she's trying to do insect friendly but not invasive ones mm, yeah and i really want to do i want to replant our lawn as a clover lawn oh my god they're so pretty they're so beautiful and they feed insects mm. and they're really soft on your feet it's not intrusive in fact it's more natural and then we because grass we was introduced the yeah yeah so that's what i want to do it's a big undertaking though so i'm waiting till i can kind of afford it mm. um because the the can you not just scatter some sco- clover seeds and hope for the best i could do yeah, yeah. okay yeah <laughs> um <laughs> because the lawn that we have like the grass that we have is not is not mm. how it naturally should look clover is our natural yeah because grass is introduced it's yeah. an invasive species yeah and you know like it, i think it's more of an american thing i don't know it could be here mm. but um when they're like obsessed with having the green grass lawns yeah. and they have to be cut down and like the housing association get involved or whatever it is mm. like no just let it be let it be let it be yeah my friend <laughs> had a really large garden he actually had a genuine meadow in his garden yeah the one in the countryside oh, so they had the they had what they called willow walks and they had a whole bunch of trees which weren't willows but i don't know it's called willow walk but anyway pretty day it was all these trees that were planted in kind of a line so it was a pathway oh. and then they had the meadow growing through it that sounds lovely yeah it's beautiful that's what i want mm. I just need um a million pounds and then you can have a house like that i'll just do that <laughs> next on my list last on right. my list in a complete opposite change of pace oh, i love it i've got an arc it comes out in january not the end of the world how we can be the first generation to build a sustainable planet by hannah ritchie and this is about how um our earth is fucked and um, <laughs> just to end on a positive note <laughs> but this is about it's a hopeful book yeah it talks about how we can channel our anxiousness and powerlessness and everything like that into something positive and mm. the, the things we can do to help our planet and like the uh, and it has the data to back up that okay. we can it feels like we're not getting anywhere but we can there are things we mm. can do um and it's all about like uh how you can eat locally things you can do in your own gardens to help mm. so i think that'll work quite nicely with the fenland one yeah um um yeah i think because i get serious eco-anxiety uh I get really stressed about. You definitely and, try to put yeah. too much pressure on yourself. Once, yeah, and try there to was make a time when it a plastic-free got, household yeah. with a young kid in the house. There was a time when it just it was it, every day. I was like 
depressed about the state of the world and I still am Mm. but I try not to hold as much on my own shoulders anymore uh the individual can only do so much while big corporations are but I'm what they do and I'm aware of that but then that it used to make me really depressed knowing that there's people Mm. that can do more and they wouldn't do more Mm. and yeah it just got really got to me and I had to realize I can't take it on my shoulders because I can't change you cannot change the world so I think that'll be good because it's got the data that shows Mm. that there are things you can do that do help Mm. um well, I just think it's something like if you just have one meat-free day a week that cuts your carbon footprint by 30% or something stupid. Yeah. One or two days a week it has to be. Yeah. No meat. I do a lot. We do a lot of meat-free now. But, like, yeah, you need to do it one or two days a week to cut your carbon footprint by 30%. And it's such an easy thing to do. Mm. Buying local is hard because that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Sorry? Buying local is hard. Yeah. Unless you live maybe a bit more rurally like you do and there's people who are growing the stuff. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Eggs, we get eggs locally. Mm. Uh, we get our milk locally. Honey, I get locally. Oh, when you buy local honey, like when you buy mm. honey that's been, oh, it doesn't even have to be local, but you know where it's not had so many steps in between. Yeah. You can taste the flowers. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. You can use that to um, help with hay fever, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's local, if you, local pollen. You, yeah, yeah. If you have honey made from local pollen, yeah. it can help you with your hay fever. Yeah. Yeah. So that is one good thing about being like in a little village. Mm. And um, even like some of the little farms around here, um, you can go and get. Mm. food that's been made because my friend lives in a village and like when they're all their sort of harvesting comes up they all just put like boxes in their front gardens like take an apple yeah Yeah. like rhubarb and stuff yeah there was like a box of carrots once just like take a carrot (laughs) yeah and like the little um, church in our village always makes preserves Mm. so it's all fruit that they've grown in their garden Mm. Um, and they had loads of black cherries last year so they made loads of black cherry syrup. Mm. That was delicious. I got loads of it, and me and myself were putting it on our yogurt, on our ice cream, <laughs> everything. It was delicious. Um, yeah, but that'd be interesting. I wish I could be more. I wish, I wish I had the the space and the money to do more of like growing my own yeah. stuff. I would. That would be my dream. Grow my own fruit and veg. Yeah, the one of the ladies that I cast at for. There was more of my old colleagues. Mm, I think we could, you came to her. Yeah, do you well, remember her garden? Of, yeah, she grew loads. Like oh, she yeah. had, she would have stuff to spare. She'd have to bring it into work. Like that's what I want. Like yeah. that would just make me so happy. And doing it with my children would make me so. Well, she, happy. she had apple trees, she had blueberries. She had um, loads of veg. Yeah. Um, like she, one year, she got so many chilies because of the heat waves. That she was just like, I, I took a whole box home from my brother because he cooks hot food. Yeah, just, oh, I love that. Mm. It's a I lot of hard work for her though, but like she loves gardening. So. Yeah, it's like a hobby, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. One day that'll be me. One day you should be living your best feral life. Yeah. should be living on a commune, Chicken. that's what you need. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, in, in, in America, it's um, growing in popularity... Um, like mother communes mm. where it's just a bunch of single mums and rather than live with a man they mm. just live together and yes, they have the house like, they can help each other with childcare and all of this and just I, w- I was telling my partner and I was like this is the life I want and he was like yeah 
That's better than our life. <laughs> well, I think that just the thing about modern li- living is lacking community. Yeah. There is yeah, no we, village, is we it? We were like, we were talking about like, mm. could we be in a, like, a, a poly relationship so that there's a larger community <laughs> for us? And we were like discussing whether we morally could do it. Like, if we. What well, if someone just to take care of you guys and then you guys mm. took care of the kids or something? Yeah. yeah, and we were like genuinely having a discussion about whether that's <laughs> something we could look at in the future. Like, mm. could we. Are we too monogamous? Yeah. Or no, the question is, is he too monogamous? I think I would thrive in a poly situation. I really do. Mm. But uh, yeah, and we were just discussing it as a would it ever be something that we would consider? Mm. Because, like, just imagine more hands, more love. Yeah. Like, it yeah. sounds all right. To yeah. Me. I was like, imagine if we just had another woman join us who had kids as well and they could be friends with our kids and it would just be a beautiful community. <laughs> I love it. And we would be the house that no one in the village lets their kids go next. <laughs> You'd be one of those ones of like, you know, you, know, you don't, don't question what goes on behind door, closed yeah. doors. They're just good friends. The kids are happy and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> They seem like lovely ladies. And then start homeschooling and live my complete feral life. <laughs> I did see this one, like, um, it was like a poly group. It wasn't even like a three. It was like a group of them. And one was like, oh, yeah, I don't really enjoy sex that much. So I'm just here for companionship. Yeah. So we just cuddle. And there was another one who's like, I love sex. So, like, that's what they're yeah. for. And, like, they all have a different role. And then, like, and and apparently, like, I mean, obviously, there's no way you can prove it statistically. Yeah. But the theory is communication is so much better between couples, not couples, between relationships like that. Mm. Because you all have to communicate very well to stop any jealousy or any mm. miscommunication or whatever. And I just, I'm not, it just seems really wholesome <laughs> for me, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Seems more wholesome. Anyway. That's where we are in my non-fiction. Maybe that's... <laughs> I should find a book about, like... Mm. Yeah. Poly communes. Yeah, communes. Non-cultish communes. That's what I mean. You just need to live on, like, a commune where it's like, we grow everything and yeah. the children run and play. <laughs> oh, my kids and would all just be best at playing in the things. garden. <laughs> the chickens. <laughs> Oh. oh well, I guess I guess I could join a cult. <laughs> Do I have any good ones in the UK? Really, though, good ones. <laughs> <laughs> not quite as intense. What, yeah, what, what? And they're not allowed to buy to land where they're completely unmonitored. Yeah, that's the thing. That's yeah. what I need. I need to like maybe when Scotland gets its independence. I can go although I don't think Scotland needs any more British people going and buying taking over their lands mm. to be honest but we'll see yeah. who, who knows <laughs> <laughs> anyway oh, on that note <laughs> that's my non-fiction for non-fiction November that was so much tangenting <laughs> let me know any non-fiction you recommend or you've been reading or yeah let's just non-fiction yeah I have a whole bunch to saved you should do one of your writing ones <laughs> yeah i should shouldn't i 
my little pile of shame down there. Yeah, I know. Might be really helpful. <laughs> First, you write a sentence. Or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wrote that one. Had it for three years. Can you? That was back at a time when, when I said to you, I'm going to read something. I actually did. Yeah, that was crazy. That I was literally the time. was like, oh, I re- I, this book was recommended on my course. I've bought it. It looks really good. And you were like, okay, bought it, listened to it straight away. And I was like, oh, shit. Two weeks later, consumed. Mm. Now I'm like, oh, remember that buddy read you set up five months ago? Still not ready yet. (laughs) I mean, the buddy read from March. (laughs) (laughs) That was a holiday I went on in March. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) But, you know. What are you going to do? We'll do some buddy reads. It's like, are you saying you want me to read the whole... Yeah, we need to do that. Series together. And I'm like, but will you though? <laughs> we need to do that in December. I feel like that's a okay. December read. A Christmas read. Alright. Well I have to I have banditry days off. Ah. Between Christmas and New Year's. My new job. So we'll definitely be off for at least a week. Yay. <laughs> Although I learnt my lesson about working through Christmas because I'm like because I'm like, oh, I won't be doing anything anyway. Like, and then it's depressing as shit. So, <laughs> even working from home. So I'm like, well, I'll be home anyway. So I might as well get paid for it and save the holiday days. And then it was so depressing. And yeah, you're like, hang on, this is so much I've never right done now. it again. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously retail, I always had to work for every Christmas. Yeah. So I, I've always associated Christmas with just hell. Yeah. Like, that's hell week. Yeah. She would have worked in the bakery. This is not so much these days, though. But back then, when in-person shopping was the thing, yeah. The, honestly, the two weeks leading up to Christmas, we had people banging on our doors, like banging before we'd even opened. And I'm like, mate, it's seven a.m. <sighs> Come on, mate. What are you, the shop, the rest of the shops don't even open. Yeah, what are, what you, are doing? you doing? And then, because my manager loved a bit of money. She would make me let them in. One, but we're still setting up. We don't open till eight. I'd have to I go. I do it once. That's it. You fucked. No, I just have to, have to go to the door, ask what they wanted, close the door, no. get it, invite them in to pay. No. Well, because it was cash then days as well, so yeah. I would have to go up and give the cash, take the cash. So I'd be like walking back and forth to the door. No, because she'd like the money, and then she'd be like, "Setup's not done," and I'm like, "You don't fucking say." Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Anyway. Yeah, we'll be starting some form of Christmas content at some point, I guess. I don't really know what we'd do for Christmas content. We did do an... We called it the Christmas episode no one asked for, but I can't remember what we actually did. No one asked for it either. (laughs) (laughs) Still one of our top episodes, though. You want to go listen to that? It it gets got loads of hits. It's one of our top performing episodes. (laughs) Couldn't tell you what we said in it. So thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Please come follow us on Instagram or TikTok, which at some point this year I will post on. That mm-hmm. is that is a it might be once. It was one of our year goals we'll for So I just year. need to post once this year. Tick. <laughs> yeah. Um and we have set up a Facebook group and we would love you to come and join us there so we can chat more about books, make mm-hmm. it a bit more of a community. You can have a say in what books we read potentially coming up or what episodes you want us to do what topics you want us to cover yeah. rec list that you want please come and join us there it's just lazy book lovers podcast i think mm-hmm. it'll be in our card anyway um and 
our 100th episode is fast approaching yep. we want to do a Q&A episode or a, at least a part of it will be Q&A yeah. so if you have any questions please send us a DM anywhere comment anywhere or we have a link in our card for a form that you can send your questions over to it can be questions about us our friendship books we like whatever um, bees whatever really <laughs> If you just want to write in to be like, question, can you stop fucking talking about bees for 20 minutes? <laughs> and I'll be like, answer, no. No, I cannot. Can you not go on a depressing tangent about how we're never, ever going to retire when you've been talking about Britney Spears? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so please let us know. I will take abuse in the form of questions. That's if we fine. at least get some questions. Yes, yeah. love that. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.